What's up, guys? Happy New Year. Welcome back to another episode of The Athlete Angle. I got to catch up with Sarah Diaz, who's a vice president of recruiting for Capstone Hospitality and a former collegiate golfer. Sarah shares her exposure to golf at the first tee and how that has impacted her career and the opportunities that she's had down the road. We discussed how golf brought her sister and her together and the role that she played in her sister's life once Sarah retired. We also talked about being curious and finding something else that motivates you post-sport that can help with you transitioning into the next season of your life. Sarah touches on her career path since her retirement and how she's thrived in her career thus far at Capstone Hospitality. What's up, guys? Welcome to The Athlete Angle. I'm your host, MC Bell. Do you feel like you're walking aimlessly through life after sports? Do you feel lost without your sport and unsure of how to find confidence in your purpose? It's like the second you hung up your cleats or walked off that field, you've been drifting ever since. Well, I'm here to tell you that you are not alone, my friend. You are one of thousands of student and professional athletes that struggle with transitioning into life after sports. Join me this week as we work to unravel the confusing journey of life post-sports, gain clarity in your purpose, and find confidence in your identity so you can flourish in life after sports. Let's dive in. I love that we're doing this. Thanks for, uh, well, thanks for coming to me about this. This is such a great opportunity to talk about your story because I actually don't know a lot about you prior to working with you at the tour. At the tour uh-huh. um, so why don't we go back to the beginning? I know you played golf growing up, but give me a play-by-play of what it was like playing golf as a kid and, and how you fell in love with it. Okay, yes. Well, great to see you. I'm so excited that we're doing this, so thank you for having me. And so I started playing golf when I was 13 years old. And it was through the first tee program, as I'm sure you're, you know, with the PGA Tour. So the first tee program, it's a youth golf program that teaches you life skills through the game of golf. So it was only supposed to be a summer activity for myself, my brother, and my sister. There's three of us. And then it became so much more than that MC. It became part of our lives. I got to compete with the first tee. I got to do public speaking. I got to uh, do some fundraising. So the, the whole, the, the, the purpose of, of the first tee is to develop you as a person. So they have all these different opportunities besides golf. And their one really cool experience was to go to Pebble Beach and compete no in, the, in the Pro-Am. Yes, you got to play with golfers. Uh, PGA Tour golfers that were on the Champions Tour, a lot of these were legends. And so there was a whole process to try to get to this one pro-am. There was a series of interviews that you needed to go through. Sheesh. Essays. It was almost like a college application. And so um, I got to compete and go to this one big golf tournament. And, oh, my God, it it was absolutely incredible. I got to play with legendary Tom Watson. No way. And yes, he's he if you don't know, he was one of the best golfers in the 1970s, 1980s. Yes. And he won Hard like, to not know. Yeah. Him. He won like 39 times on the PGA Tour. He's won eight major golf championships. So, I think it was in that tournament that I really got to experience what golf was like, the power of golf, the events. They just made you feel so special. So, but as a kid, I I feel like that would 
take a while for all of that to sink in. Mm-hmm. What about the game made you want to continue to to play? Yeah, so I think, you know, like I said, it was only supposed to be a summer activity, but then we saw all these other opportunities within golf. So I think it really was the first tee that got me to play golf. And, you know, before golf, I was in other sports. I danced, I swam. Oh, okay. I did uh, martial arts. You're okay. looking at a karate kid here. <laughs> I won, I was living in Mexico and I won nationals in, in uh, fighting. So I did other sports. Oh my gosh. Yes. I did other sports besides golf, but it was through that program, you know, and I, and I talk about Pebble Beach so much because you had a goal to reach. So they made it really special. And I think that's why mm. I stayed in golf because you know, a lot of people think it's very slow compared to other sports. And I guess it can be when you first start out. But the first team made it so much fun for us that I think I stayed in golf to answer a question because there were some goals to reach and they made it really fun, really unique. That's awesome. You know, I never you never hear that part about the first tee. I think when you're not working directly with the tour, mm-hmm. but getting that from somebody who grew up in the first tee yeah and I know I have so many other friends that went through the first tee mm-hmm. and play golf in college and like my ex-boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> but I heard so many great things it was the first time I heard about the first the first tee and uh that's that's so cool that they yeah. have such an impact on you it wasn't even golf per se it was mm-hmm. the way it was presented to you mm-hmm. that made you fall in love with it yes exactly and I think that once you start getting into golf the you know the game and you start to learn about the details and the swing then you certainly get addicted to it I mean that's why so many professional athletes then you know go to golf after they've retired from their professional sports so there's definitely it's definitely addicting you know as a sport but I think when I was you know 13 14 15 I saw an opportunity to do so much more with the sport, right? And I also mm-hmm. had the goal of paying my educate, paying for my education through golf. So once Huge. I started, yeah, playing really well, I said, "Hey, maybe this is something that I can do." That's amazing. What was it like when you? Do you remember when you finally felt like you were like good at golf, like your swing, and you knew you could hit the ball, like? You know, that feeling you get when you hit the sweet spot, uh-huh. you know, like, yes. I don't have an hat yet, but <laughs> I'm learning. But. You know, I remember. So just to give you some perspective here. So my first high school tournament, I shot 111. I mean, I started golf late. I was 13. Right. Oh, wow. okay. And so so but by the time I was a senior in high school, I was shooting in the low mid 70s. But I don't remember when you know I don't I don't think there was a point where I said okay I'm good at it because golf is is a sport that's just a never-ending challenge if you hear golfers talk it's just a never-ending challenge because there's there's some days that you can go out there and you do really well and then there's some other days that you are completely lost Um, but I was searching for that you know golf scholarship and um, I saw an opportunity and and then I was able to play at the D1 level so uh, you know, that was huge. That was a, a, a really cool goal that I got to accomplish that I set for myself. How long were you chasing that goal? I guess like throughout high school, you know, I knew that I, I wanted, I had to pay for my education. So I knew that golf was an avenue and my grades. I had a really good grades. I was a good student. So I knew that either my grades or my golf were going to provide me with that opportunity. And so first I went and played for a division two school and but I wanted to play at a D1, you know, I wanted to play at the highest level. And so then 
what I did was I gave up a year of eligibility. So I quit at the end of my junior year and I saved my senior year. And the, and the reason why I did that too was because I have a sister, a younger sister who's four years younger than me. And we had always wanted to play for the same team, but because of our age differences, we were never able to be in the same high school team. And so, wow. so by the time my sister Elsa was gonna enter college, I was gonna be coming out of it. So what I did was I still finished my education, my undergrad, and then I just saved that year of eligibility. And then the University of Richmond picked us both up and I was able to play at the D1 level That's with her. That's so fun, yes. you got to play with your sister. It was so much fun. I had the oh. best time, the I best got, time. I got to do that in, high school with my sister she was because i mean i played soccer uh-huh. uh and she did not like soccer the way that i did but it was it's just there's nothing like being on the field or like being on the course with your sister and, and you guys are on the same team you know you're not just yes, exactly. related you know exactly. you're both working towards the same goal there's nothing like it what was the age difference uh she's a year and a half younger than me okay okay so, so she's a little bit close. yeah pretty close but i mean I haven't ever played on the same team with her ever, you know, because uh-huh. they div you up based on age, especially when you play club. So wearing the same jersey as her was super was cool. yes. special. Yes. And I guess, I mean, I don't know how it is with soccer. I guess it's just a little bit different with golf, but we each have our swings. And so she knew my swing very well. I knew hers. And uh, we're very different players. And so it was really cool to be able to um, just help each other with the swing. You know, everybody would go and play golf. And then at the end of the round, you see each other. And it was like, okay, how'd you do in this hole? What happened? How did you hit the shot? What did you do in the dog leg? You know, how did you play that that hole? So it was really fun to have somebody there, um, you know, as your cheerleader, as your partner. And then, you know, we eventually got to work together again after college. Let's fast forward a little bit. You mm. played. You both played in college, mm-hmm. but then obviously you both graduated. Yes. What happened with your game, and then what did your sister do? Yeah, so I graduated. I ended up graduating with my master's, and I started working to the second year of my master's. So I got a full-time job. I have a master's in human resources management, and then Elsa was still in school. So I stayed in Richmond, and she you know towards the end of her college career she had dreams of going professional and so she asked me if i could help her so we decided to do the dia sisters team and i represented her so when she graduated she decided to go professional and for about i don't know like six eight months i was searching for sponsorships for her and we eventually landed yeah two deals one lexus of richmond they supported us uh, gave her a car, uh, oh, okay. yeah, sponsorship, and then um, Mark Hill, an insurance company in Richmond, supported us as well. You know, golf can be very expensive when you're playing at the pro level. You definitely need mm-hmm. sponsorships to be able to travel and pay for tournament entries. Um, so we were backed up by those two companies, and then also I was able to get uh, a sponsor's exemption for her for an LPGA Kingsmill tournament, and that was oh, her grand so cool. debut. Yeah, it was so it was so much fun. She got to play with Natalie Gulbis and no biggie. Yes, all the all the top <laughs> players. It was so much fun. I would be starstruck. I wouldn't. Normally, I don't have an issue talking to people, as uh-huh. you probably know. No words. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be speechless. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun to to work with her and to be with her, and then I got to caddy for her and travel with her. So it was a dream come true. It really was to play with her and then to be able to work with her. 
why didn't you want to go pro? Oh, I wanted to go pro. And see, I'm, I still have dreams of shooting lower and lower. I still go to the range. Um, you know, for me, I think I just ran out of time. And I ran out of time. And like I said, you need you definitely need sponsorships. Elsa has always been the more just coordinated out of the two of us, uh, the more athletic one. And, you know, for me, it was it was an honor to be able to help my sister to make those dreams come true for her. But then also for me, I felt like I was still part of it, you know, so um, I still play. You know, I got to play uh, professional tournaments even after I graduated. And, um, you know, we recently we recently won a tournament, Capstone Hospitality. We won okay. a tournament. So, you know, I still I still get to to apply that, you know, and, and be in, comp- in competition. I feel like a lot of people when they when they end their careers collegiately, even though you still got to play a few professional events here and there and you still play the sport, you're not playing competitively. Mm -hmm. What was that season of life like for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember my last tournament. Um, and actually, I played it with Emily Tillo. Do you know her from the PGA I do. Tour? Yeah, she yeah. was in my foursome. And oh. then later on, we got to play together, you know, I, or we got to work together for the PGA Tour. But yeah, that was my last round. And I remember I was I, I was sad because it was, it was an era that was ending for me and I wasn't going to be with my sister anymore. Um, but I think at the same time, I was excited for what was next. And to be completely honest, I never thought that I was going to work in sports. So that wasn't even something that I thought I was going to do. Now that I reflect on everything that I've done, I think it makes sense, you know, Naturally. everything that I've that I've invested in. But um, yeah, back then I didn't think that I was going to work in sports, and I was excited to see what the next opportunity was going to be. But I mean, I know that there's some athletes that you know they can feel disoriented after doing something for so long, and then all of a sudden it's an abrupt stop, right? What about you? Why uh, do you not feel like you struggled with your like identity mm-hmm. or did you feel disoriented in that next season? Because I know it's you can have those aspirations of, OK, I I have peace about, you know, not playing competitively anymore. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make it any easier walking mm-hmm. through that season of transition, trying to get your feet back underneath mm-hmm. you to start something new. And there's just so many different uh you know speed bumps that come with that and some things are much bigger speed bumps turn into mountains to be Mm -hmm, honest mm -hmm. so what were what would you say some of those speed bumps were or uh mountains yes i think it was it was certainly a transition because you're out on the golf course right i was studying all the time i also had a part-time job in college so i was constantly on the go and so i think for me it slowed down a little bit the, the workload and then also just the pace when I got a you know you know nine to five job um, I was still working on my master so I still had a little bit of, of you know an evening responsibility and also in the weekends um, and I think you know at the beginning it, it, it's always a transition there's a change right you have to get used to working from eight to five I was used to studying for hours and and going and playing golf and waking up for morning workouts but you're, it's definitely a transition where you have to be you know, behind a computer at a desk, eight to five. Um, but I think you know, how I was able to handle it was um, just being curious and, and exploring new things um, and finding maybe other things that I didn't know I, I liked. So that's the way that I dealt with it. You know, I think a lot of people, 
Yes, it's their identity. Per, but for me, you know, golf, I wouldn't say that it's like my entire life. It's, it's a big part of my life. It's something that I did. It's something that I do still. But I wouldn't, you know, I don't think I want to have it so tied to my identity that if I, if something tragic were to happen to my body and I can no longer play, then that means that, you know, I'm just done. Right. That right. you're not, you know, you're not sane, you're not um, you're not seeing life in a positive manner. So I don't think I try not to, you know, have it define exactly who I am, because then, you know, it's it, then then you can't explore other options. You can't be curious about other things. So I try to look at it with a positive lens. So when I started working, you know, and I, I was working for a transportation industry, uh, transportation company. I got to work in Europe for a little bit. Cool. And then that's when Elsa graduated. And I had a new goal. And the goal was to get a sponsorship for her. So I had something else that was motivating me and driving me, mm. if that makes sense. So I just shifted gears, you know. And um, like I said, I, I still play golf and I still have dreams of shooting lower and lower. But I think that's the one thing maybe that's different about other sports, that golf is truly a lifelong sport and you can always play even if it's not at the competitive level mm -hmm. so um i know that like you said it can be a little bit harsh uh, that that transition but maybe if you allow yourself to explore other opportunities you can find joy in other things a lot of people when they put their identity in their sport mm -hmm. it's i i for some people it could be you know, they're addicted to the high they get from the sport. Mm -hmm. They just love the memories that associated with their sport. They could, you know, receive all these accomplishments and accolades for being so good or, mm -hmm. you know, like they're they're the best person on their team. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's just something that they use to identify themselves with throughout their, you know, young lives for most people, like especially when you get to high school. I feel like it's really uh, – prevalent and then college I think it's even mm -hmm. more uh you know there's even more of a spotlight on those kinds of people but what I thought was interesting what you just said was you never associated your identity with your sport mm -hmm. what helped you not do that mm -hmm. you know I think um and, and you know and just to just to comment, I was known as the first tee girl. You know, even when I got to the tour and I met friends who were working for the first tee, they were like, oh my God, you're little Sarah, you're, you know, because I was in a lot of commercials for the first tee and now I met Jack Nicholas and I did all the national qualifiers. So I became, you know, especially for the San Antonio chapter, this poster child. So I guess it could have been easy to say, okay, Sarah is the golfer. And that's how I was known in, in high school too, mm -hmm. right? But, um, Here's the thing, I think that when you start something, there's a lot of projects and a lot of chapters in your life that come to an end, right? Mm -hmm. and, and you start and you stop, so you can't allow that. I mean, part of the athlete mentality is to get back on your feet, right? Yeah, and, so and, true. And find a solution and face adversity. And so that can be a challenge itself. When you get out of athletics, it's like, what are you gonna do? Well, now you can start focusing your energy on maybe earning money or maybe learning how to invest your money or maybe develop a new skill, you know, really finding something else. And, you know, uh, I think a lot of people talk about, you know, their, their passion and I know their, their sport can be the, the passion, but also there's a lot of pressure for finding your purpose or your, your passion. So maybe if you're just grabbing onto something that catches your attention or you're curious about something, 
then you can start seeing and, and exploring another another side of you that you didn't even know about yourself yeah. right so um so yes i'm still you know i i still get the sarah's the first tea you know girl and in college golfer and i think um it just brings me joy because i was able to accomplish so much with the first tee and also in college but i mean just because you're done in college it doesn't mean that you're you know, life ends or anything like that. You know, I, I'm still Sarah. I am still a sister. I'm still a daughter, you know, and I have, I still have dreams and I still have other projects that I want to accomplish. So maybe it's just looking at it from a different perspective, you know? Um, but, but yes, I mean, it's, it's always a transition when you go through changes. Well, I like what you said. There's always pressure to find your purpose. Mm -hmm. What do you think helps take that expectation that you need to know what you're doing or what you're passionate about or what you're driving towards all the time and leave yourself a space to be curious about other sides of yourself that you haven't had the time to previously explore? Mm -hmm. Well, maybe it's the pressure of finding that one thing, right? And um, when you search and you search, if you don't find anything, that can be very discouraging. So why not have a variety of things that you like or that you're curious about, right? Um, so, man, we're getting so deep here. Oh, that was the plan. <laughs> I was ready to break your walls down, just letting you know. <laughs> yes, no, but, but you know what I'm saying? I don't think that your life necessarily ends when, you're, when your sport ends, you know? And for me, it's been, it, like I said, I never thought I that I was going to work in sports, but one opportunity led to the next one and then led to the next one. And I think I was just open to those new challenges. I think I've had a lot of times in my life where I finished something and then didn't know what to do with myself when mm -hmm. I wasn't motivated by something else. Mm -hmm. And those are really not stressful, but just uncomfortable mm -hmm. positions to be in. Did you look for a motivation or did you look for something else to pour yourself into when you stopped playing golf competitively? Was that was that something that you conscientiously did mm -hmm. or was that something that landed in your lap and realized that you actually really needed? Mm -hmm. I think you're always trying to find something, right, that, that drives you or, or your next goal. I think as an athlete, you're not satisfied with just – sitting back and you know just doing your work for the sake of doing your work you're trying to chase something but I think that you can find those goals everywhere you you go and even if you are not in love with your eight to five you know you can have the creativity and imagination to be able to like scale the business or or find another project or try to understand the business model of that company trying to see how all the departments work together like truly trying to train yourself to be just curious about things so that you're not sad about oh man I'm not playing golf anymore I could be outside right now enjoying the sunshine um, but I mean it was also hard work it was long hours too right and um, so I think that you know back to your question I, I think the motivation comes from inside but it comes it comes from a place of you are trying to learn something and it's for the joy of learning a new thing and then see how you can get better at that, even if it's something smaller now in scale, right? But maybe you can grow it. You can make it grow and, and be something really impactful for your job or for your company. So 
you know, like I mentioned, I, I started my eight to five job and the goal there was to recruit really good talent. There was a lot of people who were retiring and we were needing to backfill that. And so I did that. I was able to hire really great people that I was competing against for management positions. And then the Elsa project fell on my lap um, because she asked me, but I had an idea that she was going to want to, you know, want to go pro. So um, helped her with that. And it was, that was nonstop. I mean, I was spending all my weekends, all my evenings researching and understanding how to get her to the LPGA and how we could find sponsors that were willing to help us, right? And then after that, I got the call from the PGA Tour who wanted to grow the game in the multicultural space. And I decided to move from Richmond to Jacksonville. And so that was a whole nother goal. Um, and then after that, you know, I came to Capstone and it's really great because now I'm in the position of hiring former athletes and college athletes. And it's, it's such a great position because I think I, rem I do remember that transition, right? Wanting to find something that motivates you that was similar to what you're doing in, in college. And, you know, I would tell people, even your listeners, your uh, professional athletes, former college athletes, if they're looking for a career that maybe has, you know, similar characteristics to what it was like competing at the professional level or collegiate, definitely consider the golf membership sales director role that we have because it's very similar to, I think, to what we're wanting to find in sports, which is one, it's performance driven. So you have a goal to meet every month and you get compensated for that, right? You control your income based on your efforts and you know what that's like when you're out in the field or Definitely. you're out in the golf course. The other one is that we do have a team player component. So when you're a golf membership sales director, you're at the club, it's a very independent role. You have all the autonomy. However, you're part of a larger network of membership sales director. So if you competed at the golf, at the collegiate level in golf, you're trying to win the tournament individually and you're trying to win the tournament for your team. There's two categories mm. and that's how the company is set up. And the third one is that it just demands this continuous skill development. You know, as an athlete, you're always trying to get better at your craft. And I think it's the same way in sales. You're always trying to get better in your pitch. You're always trying to get better in your communication, in your mm -hmm. relationship building. And I didn't really know that, it, that a job existed like, you know, like that with such clear goals and very independent and um, that you could be very successful at it. So I think that's why um, I've enjoyed this job a lot because now I get to reach you know, athletes, former athletes, and try to get them to find some happiness after their college years. And it's, I would, I mean, not that I'm in sales. I would, I may be in You'd sales be great. at one point You'd in be my great. life. We never know. Uh, but I do know I have lots of friends that were former athletes and are in sales jobs. Yes. Naturally. Yes. And they thrive. Mm -hmm. And and it's but it makes sense because you're using skills that you have honed in and mastered so it's almost more uncomfortable to or maybe more difficult to pursue something where you're not using the skills that you know that you've mastered mm -hmm. but it's almost easier to transition into a job where you do get to use those skills and and i would think that it would make the transition more 
you know, seamless. Mm-hmm. Even though you're not playing your sport anymore, yeah. you still, you know, you're not, you don't feel like you're floating. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> you know, trying yes. to figure out what you're doing and, and yes. why you're doing it and exactly. what kind of skills you want to, you know, start to learn. You know, now you have a basis mm-hmm. and a foundation for that. Yes, over... of our directors have played a sport at the collegiate level or professional. So we've actually have a professional surfer. We have, of course, professional golfers, former professional baseball players, and we actually have an Olympian racquetball athlete. So yes, athletes want to see results, right? And it has to come from our efforts. We want to get rewarded. Um, It's not a job that you sit behind the desk all day. You get to structure your day as you like. Oh, that's amazing. I feel like you're selling me now. Come on. Come on over. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, I got to sell in Miami and and it was a lot of fun. You do. I think I didn't realize how much I liked working independently. I, I really enjoy the team aspect and I really like you know, um, meeting people and connecting with them, but then I need to, I need to uh, work on on my projects and and really see the progress day to day. So I think this is a job that you you'd be able to to see that. And like I said, you're you're not waiting in line for a promotion. You're not at an office nine to five just for being there or for clocking in, clocking out. Um, you're out in the community. You're networking. You're the face of the club. So everybody needs to know your club and they need to know you. That's so good. Yeah. I don't have anything Come on. Else. I, Come that's on. amazing. I'm, where do I sign up? <laughs> Come on to Capstone. Yes. I I also love how you were saying being a part of a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes such a difference when you, mm-hmm. you know, have people that not are just relying on you, but that you get to collaborate with. And mm-hmm. that only, you know, fuels you to be better at your job anyways. Yes. And I definitely, I guess from like my own personal experience and just the start of my career, those have been things that I've struggled with, with, Mm -hmm. you know, feeling like I'm isolated or not, you know, I can work really hard and naturally that's what I want to do because that's who I am and that's what I do in every other area of my life, including sports and that's, and I was rewarded for it, you Mm -hmm. know, but being in a position where that's not always the case, even if you're there, you know, like, and it's not all you know, I'm, I'm learning critical skills that I am not great at. Mm-hmm. And there's a season for that too, but man, it feels good when you are with a team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess, you know, from a soccer perspective, gosh, the team, the team bonding, I bet was so strong. Oh yeah. It yeah. was, yeah. It, on every level you could imagine <laughs> it, it was a bond. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, at Capstone, like I mentioned, our membership sales directors, they never compete against each other. So the clubs are far enough that they're not going after the same, you know, prospects, customers. Um, but everybody has the same goal. So um, they can lean on one another. They can lean on the leadership, of course. But we're always having some sales contests. So there's always friendly competition among us. You know, when we go to the retreat, we'll do competitions on who gets the best room in the cabin and uh, we'll throw in some prizes. So there's always that friendly competition. And I think what's so great is that you come into a group of people that you know they like to compete. You know they're very goal-oriented, but they're also a great group of guys, great personalities. We have so much fun here. Um, you know, at Capstone. So, so yes, whenever you're ready. 
Let me know. <laughs> I will. Put you on speed dial. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. To close this all out, mm-hmm. reflecting back on your career as both a golfer competitively and now into your career professionally or, you know, in your, into your professional life. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that you're at Capstone looking back, what are you most proud of and how do you see the things that you learned through your sport come through in your work? What am I most proud of? I think I'm most proud of in terms of my sport, right? Um, I think I'm, I'm most proud of that I was able to to get get my game to a level where I could compete at a at a pretty high level, you know, developing my swing alongside my father. I have to give credit to my father because he spent countless of hours with me just trying to figure out how I could swing better, how how I could hit it longer, straighter. Um, and because of that, because I was able to play pretty well, there were so many opportunities that opened up. I don't, you know, and I think every job that I've gotten has been because of golf. And that's something when I was at the PGA Tour and I was trying to grow the game, that's something that I, I constantly shared because it was so true. Like if you know how to play golf, there's so many opportunities that open up after school right that you Mm -hmm. might not see it in other sports so i think i'm most proud of that that i was able to compete that i was able to get a scholarship you know that i paid for my education and um now that i that i've been able to you know to grow the game and help others and i'm in a position where now i can provide opportunities to others to to really um go after you know find a new passion be able to reward themselves you know we obviously compensate for those efforts and um you know i'm just in a really happy happy face of of my life i'm I'm really excited about where i am capstone is growing so much and so quickly that i really wanted to be part of a company that was expanding and and be able to to scale that business you know and along with the leadership team Hey, thanks for giving this episode a listen. If this episode resonated with you, please leave a review and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Oh, one more thing. Stay in the know on Insta. Tag a former athlete, teammate, friend, foe, family member. You get the point. I would love to connect with you. Okay, friends, that is all she wrote. I'll see you next week.